You're listening to audio from Cornerstone Church. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Let's jump in. Anyway, so Ephesians chapter 3, so that's where we're going to go, um, and we're going to read today as we, we have one more message series in this, or message in this series um, next week, and then after that, let's see, I think I have my dates right. I think so, yes. Because next week, um, next week, y'all vote, right? Or we, if you had not already voted, is it next week? So the week after that, whatever the week after that is, goodness me, I lost all my timetables here, but um, uh, we're going to do a new series uh, entitled The Heart of a Child, and we're going to go through the things that Jesus said about children. And it'll take a couple weeks, but it'll lead right into Christmas, and I think you'll really um, be blessed. I think there's something very important to say. People ask, like, hey, are you going to talk anything about elections? Yeah, go vote. There. <laughs> I'm tired of talking to these guys. Whatever. Go vote. If you don't know how to vote by now, come on, man. Get with it. Anyway, that's all i got to say to you right there. I love you, but get out there and d- get your stuff done. And pick the best one you can pick. My kids are asking, hey, Dad. How do you pick? Well, I said, I don't know. One of them's ex-wife says he tried to run over her. The other one says he tried to kill her. I mean, gosh, look, I mean, what do you do? <laughs> what are you going to do with that, right? I'm just telling you. It's, politics are dirty, though. If you look and research, uh, in the time of Jefferson, Adams, some of those guys, you can go back and read about some of the history. It was dirty back then, too. Real dirty, man. Ain't nothing much changed. It's a hard thing to be in. Just do the best you can. Go in there and look at the things they're going for. Because, listen, they're going to make decisions for Georgia that's going to affect you. Don't think it won't, and it might affect the nation. So pray, do the best you can, but, I mean, what are you going to do with that? But anyway, um, what was I going to say? I wasn't going to talk about that, but anyway, go vote, yeah. So Ephesians chapter 3, let's move on. I can get a ditch with that quick. Ephesians chapter 3, Paul says, uh, When I think of all this, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, I'm reading this out of the New Living Translation. I'll quote some things from New American Standard on the screen, but this is... I'm going to read to you. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in your seat somewhere nearby. That's a New Living Translation. If you don't, also, we, you can get this on your phone, the, the version app. If you want to download, you'll have to do it off-site because if, if you all try to do it right now, you'll crash the Wi-Fi and uh, we're streaming, so please don't do that right now. But when you get home or once church is over, download the version app and you can pick all these Bibles on the fly. You just download them so they're always available for you. But our team has that. You can go there and find out all the information about version. We're on there. They try to make it easy for you, but um, I just want to encourage you to read, read the Bible. Okay? Ephesians 3, Paul says, When I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, for the benefit of you Gentiles. Now, he's talking to Gentiles. Last week we read Ephesians 2, talking about, Haley just mentioned that we're saved by grace through faith. We are, we, by faith, the trust that we have in Jesus, it is by grace, not by works, not by trying to get it right. It is the grace of God that we are all born again. By trusting in Jesus. My middle one asked me yesterday, she said, Dad, how do you know if someone is saved? How do you really know? What if they say they are, but they may not be? I said, well, honey, give me an example. She said, well, what if you get to heaven and the Lord says, well, you're not really saved? I said, but why would he say that? And she said, well, I'm just wondering if you think you're saved, but you get there. She asked questions. Like my wife asks questions too, okay? I get a lot of questions. But if you get there, what if he says you're not saved, but you said you was? I said, why would he say that you're not saved? She goes, well, I don't know. I said, well, there's the problem. You, you need to know the rules. I said, you're very much an advocate type person. We, we mess around and say she should probably be an attorney. She is like total, like if she says it, it, even if it's not right, you will think it is because she's so convinced by it. You know what I'm saying? She's completely convinced. Uh, but I don't know if that's what she'll do, but she's very passionate and, and loves to argue a case. You know what I mean? She's very passionate about it. And I said, well, 
if God, if God, if you're going to say that the Lord could say that, you need to know why. Why would God say that? She didn't know. I said, well, so when you get to see the Lord in heaven, he's going to ask you one question. And it's not going to be, how much money did you make? It's not going to be how much money you gave away. It's not going to be, you know, what was your status on social media? How many followers did you have? It's not going to be, hey, man, how good is your name? It's not going to be, man, you know, where's your success and failure ratios? Man, did you do better than you failed? None of that is going to be his question. His first question is going to be, what did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? She said, well, that's what I'm asking, Dad, so how do you know you're saved? I said, well, the Scriptures say, and if I, as a Christian, this is why today's culture, you had better make sure you do what Haley just told you, and it's based on the truth of Scripture. I have a Tyndale Bible. That man was martyred for the translation so that you can hold this in your hand. There were men and women burned alive in the, the, in the courtyards of Scotland so that you might have this. And this idea that comes from culture, that, oh, they were a bunch of secularists and they left, you know, the England area and Scotland and Ireland, all this. They left because, you know, they wanted a better life. The Puritans and the Quakers and all these people, they came over on boats and they endured all this hardship because they wanted to make a little more money. They wanted to have a more an adventurous life. They were secularists. That is the biggest bunch of baloney. I don't know how we can believe in the Big Bang on one hand, but just ignore complete historical fact on the other. And this is peddled, let me just say, this is peddled in higher education. So when you send your kids off to college, understand, you better prep them that, honey, you're going to hear some stuff that's not true. You better be prepared. And if all they have is a few little things about, well, how many stones did David have in his pouch? And that's all you've taught your kids is, well, it was five. That ain't going to hold up real good. You better know, why did he have five stones in his pocket? Why did that little boy run out there on that field and attack a giant? Huh? And this is what's funny. Who cares how big he was? I mean, if you put me next to Shaquille O'Neal, that brother is big, okay? He's a giant to me. David was just a little ruddy boy. You could have put him up next to a six-foot guy, and he's a giant. Who cares how big this guy was? He was big enough that he scared the armies of Israel. And listen, any journalist or any documentation would show and prove this to you. Israel did not want anyone to know they were scared. And yet it's in your Bible. For you to understand, they were scared, and they were afraid. And here comes God sending little David in there. Why would he do that? Because the truth of God's word was so strong in him. He said, who is this? Uncircumcised. I mean, he has no covenant. And we have a covenant with God. He's looking at all the armies going, why are y'all standing here? Who is this guy who defies the armies of Israel? Is there not a cause. It means, why am I the only one that feels so strong about this? And so David rushed out there. Five stones don't matter. Maybe he got five because in case he missed. I don't know. I mean, if you was running after a giant, would you want to have a little more ammunition too? I sure would. I might have picked up ten. I don't know. Because what if my aim wasn't so good? But nonetheless, the cause is what drove him, not the rocks. And in higher education, it's very common. Even in people who Places say they are Christians. Their Christian school are peddling this stuff right now. Oh, no, the, those secularist people, they came over and started the country because, you know, they wanted a better life. Whatever. 
They were being burned alive. Martyred left and right for their faith. They left for the persecution. And they came here and established the church, and the church went everywhere across America. All that to say, when Paul is talking here, and we talk about the words of truth, why this matters so much. Because when you're in a tight spot and difficult seasons, it matters that you know the truth. So back to my little girl. She goes, but how do you know? Maybe you're asking that right now. How do you know? Well, answer that at the, towards the middle or the end of the, the message here. But let me just say by the scriptures. This is what I told her. Honey, if you believe in your heart, scriptures say, goes back to truth, and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be that was not the strongest answer I've ever heard in a church full of mostly Christian people. Now, if you're not a Christian, I could see you'd be nervous saying this, but let's just try it again. If you believe in your heart, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. Very good. Very good. So you know the answer. So when your mind says you're not, feelings say you're not, you make mistakes and you fall short because he said all have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have. What do you anchor your soul on that says you're not saved? Well, if I believe in my heart, I've confessed with my mouth, Jesus is Lord, I am saved. Preachers deal with it too. Oh, man. I don't know. Maybe I am. The more you study, the more you see things, sometimes it throws you off. I'm just telling you, you've got to go back to the truth of God's Word. Now, why did I give you all that? Because if a child is asking me that question... Don't think it's just children who ask. Adults ask the same question. You shall be saved. So Paul is saying to you, right out of the gate, when I think of all these things, I, Paul, the prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the benefit of you Gentiles, he pauses right there. When I think of all this, it's all of chapter 2. By grace you are saved. By believing and trusting in Jesus, the finished work of Christ. And I told her, I said, you've got to hold the Lord to his word. Because God is a God of covenant. He's not a God of emotion. Now, he does have emotion, but he is a God of covenant. That's why he says when Jesus died for your sins, he imputed, this is a covenantal term. It means he, the propitiation of sin, if you will, he paid the payment. He substituted himself for you. That's why we now are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He took upon himself all of our unrighteousness so that we might take upon us all of his righteousness. And you might think, well, I just don't believe that. That's because you don't know the truth. And Jesus said, if you know the truth, what will it do? It won't keep you in bondage. And it blows my mind. Why as Christians, we are upset sometimes and we get all these theological things and go like, well, I just don't know. It's because we don't know his word. If you knew God and knew his word and the covenant that you have, it would not be a matter of questioning your faith. It would be, no. That's a question, but what does his word say? Because that's what God holds to. What did you do with my son Jesus? And then he's going to say, now what did you do after that? I asked you to do this. You didn't. Yeah. Paul says, you know, our works are going to be tried by fire, if you will. Some of it's going to get burned up just like smoke. And we're like, wow. So much so we're going to think, oh my goodness, are we going to make it? And he said, no, you're good. But all this stuff over here was just a waste of time. Four hours on TikTok. That's going to get burnt up. Y'all realize that, right? Yeah, but I was posting the scripture. Yeah, but three and hours and 55 minutes, you wasn't. Come on. 
I mean, watch a little funny cat jump over the fence and the dog flips and sticks his head in the hole or whatever. Watch that. But four hours? Come on. Come on, right? I mean, look, a football game, okay, maybe there may be some justification for that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There's no justification for it. We're going to get up there. He's going to say, Jody, look, you know what? That game, it, it was good, but in eternal significance of things, it's just going to get burnt up. It just is. But you yourself shall be saved. That's his promise to you. Anyway, know his word. So Paul says, when I think of all this, I want you to know this. This is for the benefit of you Gentiles. Ephesians chapter 2. Then he goes on this little side journey. So we're going to read it, okay? And then, then move forward in his prayer. He said, assuming, verse 2, by the way, that means he's going on a rabbit trail. You know what that means, right? Assuming, by the way, it, it, we're twitching gears here. He just, he's going to come back to where he was. Assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles. As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. And as you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. But let me just say this. I understand, especially if you're younger in here, please hear me for a moment. I understand that there is a lot that's being said when it regards to Islam. Well, the prophet Muhammad received revelation. He says it's from God. So why doesn't that apply? What about Joseph Smith in the Mormon church? He said he received a revelation. They stuck that in the Bible and made some extra books. Doesn't that apply? No. And let me tell you why. Because Paul's revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which aligns completely with the old covenant that has been around beyond and before anything with Islam, anything before the Mormon church. and Je These individuals were individuals who were given these revelations, and they say God did it. But when you line it up, the Bible is the only one that God throws caution to the wind and gives so many authors of books and gives you the opportunity to contrast all of these books in your Bible to disprove it, and you can't do it. You can try, you can work it, you can try to figure out. Over 300 messianic prophecies were, filled by, were fulfilled by Jesus Christ in three and a half years, if you will. Three, that is a mathematical impossibility. You cannot get a book written and the time of Moses and passed down through oral tradition, mind you, pinned on paper, papyrus paper, not a hard drive. Come on, can I? Y'all understand how difficult this is? Handwritten by multiple copywriters called scribes. These scribes, along with the Pharisees, who were wicked people most of the time, still translated it the Word of God, so much so that when he says the Word came from heaven, came to the earth, he became flesh, and he dwelt among us, Jesus preached the same thing, fulfilled over 300 different prophecies, resurrected from the dead, which is a perfect fact. It's proven. There's no disputing this, although people say that it is. You have all of this backed up. But people go to one guy named Muhammad. He's on his own. There's no one to dispute it. You can dispute anything Jesus said. You can dispute anything the Old Testament says. Try to disprove it. I challenge you. That's why you can't trust these individual revelations. Paul said this, watch. If any of you, any of you, or myself were to come with a vision or revelation from God, and it doesn't line up with Scripture, you are to disregard it. Paul put himself on the line. 
He said, my revelations that I have, even if they come from someone as an angel of light, you are to watch out. If it doesn't line up with God's word, avoid it. Because Satan can do the same thing. So I, this is a side note. Y'all understand what I'm saying, right? Trust in God's word. So Paul says, I wrote this to you. Verse 4. As you read that I, what I've written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to the previous generations, but now his spirit, he's revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. Verse 6. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are a part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Jesus Christ. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. And he says, though I'm the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. The conversion of Paul, if you look at it, the conversion of Paul, he was a Pharisee among Pharisees. That's what he says. I'm an Israelite among Israelites. I am a Hebrew. So am I. He, he gives his resume in many places, but Paul leaves all of that. The prestige, the power, the prosperity, and he goes into the Gentiles where he has none of this. He is beaten, left for dead, tried to be more than once killed. It does not make human sense to do what he did, lest he has been converted by something greater than what he thought he knew in his Old Testament religion. Are you all with me? These things don't just happen. You don't have men and women give their lives for something, lest it is such a truth to them they're willing to die for it. Look around the world and ask yourself how many organizations, for the most part, have provided the health care, the help, feeding the hungry around the world for the last 2,000 years. It's been Christians. People don't give up what they have to go do what they do in places like South Sudan where some of our uh, ministry partners are at. They don't give up careers that could be uh, in medical field and make a lot more. They go there. Why? Because the love of Christ compels them. Do you understand what I'm saying? Please do not buy into this secularist mentality that's spreading in our country. And it's coming from a lot of Christians who are so weak, they refuse to agree with the Scripture because they're so stinking scared and weak. Don't be one of those people. If we're going to be a weak Christian, just, just stop. Because we're not helping anybody. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Anyway, all right, moving on. <clears throat> so Paul says, verse 8, Though I'm the least deserving, I was chosen to explain, verse 9, to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the Creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose, verse 10, and all this was to use the church. Now, there, that's interesting. He, he's using his church. You may think, I don't, get, I don't see how. He's using it. Don't discredit his word. He's using his church to display his wisdom and his rich variety to the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Colossians says this, had they known, they would have never crucified the Prince of Glory. They thought by killing Jesus, this would end it. Had they known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. He says, um, in verse 12, Because of Christ and our faith in Him, He says we can now come boldly and confidently. Now, do you all see that? Boldly and confidently into God's presence. Because of who? Jesus Christ and our faith in Him. So I got, Paul says just come boldly before the throne of grace and you can find help in the time of need. 
That's why you can't be wishy-washy. Your mind will tell you you're not saved at times. But what does his word say? I believed. In my heart, I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I've confessed that Jesus is Lord. Therefore, I am So therefore, I'm going into the throne of grace boldly. I just couldn't do it. It's because we're not convinced yet. But I'm telling you, he would prefer Christians come to see him in trembling and fear, if you will, because they made mistakes, but yet approached him and say, God, your word says. God, listen, when you say your word says, God goes, huh? Well, yeah, I know what it says. I'm about to see if you know what I said. Y'all get what I mean, right? The Lord, the Bible says in 103, it's on 103, that the angels of the Lord, they are hearkening to the voice of God. You don't, it don't have to be God speaking. It could be you speaking it. You could say, as for me and my house, well, I don't know what my kids, they're just going crazy. I don't know what I'm, shut your unbelieving, doubtful mouth and put some God's word in there. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. I never am going to know, well, I just wonder what my kids are going to be when they're growing Oh, gosh, I hope they don't get on drugs. And I'm sorry if that's happened. Please understand me. I'm not making a lot of that. But don't go around and putting all this crazy, weird stuff on them. They're not even adults yet. Declare over them, my children shall be taught of the Lord. And great shall be the heritage of my household. There will be like quivers in the arrow. That's like this little quiver is like a little tubular thing, cylinder thing. Arrows in the back of an archer. They pull them out. Children in the righteous, they're like arrows that the archer pulls out and he points them and he directs them in whichever way he wants them to go. Well, you just can't help them anymore. These kids today, you know, they just want to do what they want to do. I'm telling you, if somebody else tells me that, I'm liable to just grab you and pick you up. Because I feel a little bit better now. You know what I'm saying? I lost a little weight. I feel a little bit better. If you say that junk to me, I'm probably going to get you up by the lapel and say, listen to me. Shut up. Well, I just don't know what to do with them. i tell you what you do. Because, like, do they drive? Yeah. You take the car keys. Well, I just hate to do that for them. You are weak. That is not parenting. If your kid's not mad at you, you're not a parent yet. (laughs) Just saying. At some point, they should hate your guts. Go to the room, shut the door and say, I hate you. I'm never talking to you again. Now, you guess what? You in parenting mode now. You should walk away and say, man, I'm feeling pretty good right now. We can pray about it later. Take their car keys. Take their money. I mean, whatever. We had a friend, they took their kid out of school, one school, and put them in another just to prove because they wouldn't listen and follow an instruction. Said, I'll show you what, if that's the way you're going to do, I'm going to put you over here. Now then. How you, no, please, no kicking and screaming all the way. No, the law says you got to go to school. Here you go. Oh, but what about my friend? It didn't matter. That takes some guts, man. Be willing to be embarrassed a little bit. Oh, I just hate for them to act out. Listen, man. Our kids have acted out so bad. We have been in the restaurant before. We were that family where you looked over and, and you were eating your meal. If you were a couple and didn't have any kids, and you looked around and thought, why don't they do something about that child? And we were sitting there looking at you and thought, man, if I could get away with it, I'd throw my steak knock at you right now. Like, I, we are doing our best, okay? We are doing our best. And then you never forget that one couple that comes along to you and says, they're there. It's going to be all right. And typically they were gray-haired because they'd have been there. And they said, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. They got grandkids now, so they take them home and all that kind of stuff. They get rid of them. It's going to be all right. And they were so sweet and it made you feel so much better. You thought, okay, I guess we're going to make it. But why do I say that? Because 
as, as a parent, and as Paul is talking about this in, in, the, in, in the lot of understanding our faith and trust in God, this idea that love is this overwhelming give us whatever we want is so wrong. And it is really affecting us in a negative way. It's why we can't say no in anything. I mean, just around the world, we, we just can't say no. We just, you know, it's just, it'll be okay, just, just, it'll be all right this time, let's just keep doing it. No, it won't be. And love doesn't always say yes. So as Paul is wrapping up this little side journey he's on here, verse 13 he says, So, understanding the truth of God's word, please don't lose heart because of my many trials here. For I am suffering for you, so you should feel honored. So Paul's saying, listen, I'm suffering for you. Don't feel bad for me, but pray for me and, and be honored. And then he goes to verse 14. Now, if you read, I don't know if your Bible will say this, or if it will show up in your thing, but in mine. Don't worry, they're good, candy palooza stuff. The, they're not mad. They're like, oh, it's teenagers, they hate his guts now all of a sudden. No, them kids got good parents. They, they ain't playing. I know their parents. Their parents would be like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, verse 14, Paul is now, watch, he left you in verse 1. He said, when I think of all this, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for the benefit of you Gentiles. He thought back about stuff. Then he went on a side journey. Now he's going back, if you will, to that first statement. When I think, verse 14, of all of this, what? The grace of God. The love of God. And the mercies of God. He says, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of heaven, everything in heaven and earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources that he would empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then he says, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Now, there's a difference between being saved and having a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can be saved and go to heaven and not really know him. It's evidenced by what we say. When people say, well, I don't know if God will hear me. I can tell you right now, you don't know God. He may not give you a yes, but Jesus said, ask of the Father. Jesus said, he always hears me when I pray. Well, that's Jesus. Yeah, but James tells us this. Does any of you like wisdom? Let him go into God and let him ask. And the Lord will give you liberally and will not withhold back. There's so many scriptures I could give you about asking, asking, asking that your joy might be filled. Up until this point, Jesus said you've not been able to ask because you, you had no relationship with the Father. But I'm about to go to the cross and be resurrected. And after that, you're going to have access to the Father through me. So how do you pray? In my name to the Father. Never was available before. Ask. What do you need prayer for? Ask. For your heavenly Father loves you and he Wants to give you. Psalm says this, that the Lord wants to give you the desires of your heart. Maybe It may not be what you think, but if you ask God and you trust the Lord and you pray, he will reveal actually his desires and put them in your heart. Anyway, so when Paul, Paul's saying this, he says, Christ will make his home in your heart as you trust in him, and your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. 
The love of God. Now, do y'all remember the Karate Kid? I'm not talking about the Cobra Kai new spinoff thing. I'm talking about old school Daniel-san. You know, you remember Mr. Miyagi? Mr. Miyagi has a quote. This is not in the Bible, but it might have should been. I don't know. But Mr. Miyagi has a quote. That's not sacrilegious. That's just being funny. God probably thought it was funny too, okay? Let me show you what Mr. Miyagi said, okay? You guys have that? We'll see if we can put it on the screen for you. He says this. He says, hey, look at that. This is going to make it. You remember when Danielson got the little tree and the big bully split it? And it was in the salt water and Mr. Miyagi fixes it and all that stuff. All right. He says, ha, huh, make it because have strong root just like you, Danielson. Right? You like that? Okay. Inside, you know, you can see him. It almost makes you cry if you was watching again. Inside you have strong root. No need of nothing except what inside you to grow. Sometimes we don't think, we don't realize we have a strong root in us, and that's Jesus. He is, as Isaiah said, he's the stump, if you will, that was cut off. But a new shoot came up because the roots were strong. They thought they had killed and crucified the Lord of glory. All they did was multiply Jesus. Which is why today we think of things like this. Well, if Jesus was here, this, and if Jesus were that, he is here. He's in his body. This is the body of Christ. And so when we talk about the love of God, you have got the roots must go down in how much he loves you. And so how do I do that, Pastor Jody? Well, when Paul says this, he, he continues on in verse 18. He says, listen, I want you to have the power to understand as all God's people should. Now, let's pay attention to what he says here as we begin to wrap this up today. All people, Paul says, should be able to understand or have the power to understand how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Those are four different things. If you want to understand it differently, it would be uh, a cube, if it helps you. I'll put this on the screen for you. Look at that. Now, if you're going to measure this and try to get the, 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 the measure of an equation or whatever else you want to try to get the area, you're going to try the perimeter or whatever, different things, angles and geometric shapes. The, the thing I will tell you this is in building things, it is much easier to build with square than it is with a triangle, with uh, octagons, with the strength in this four, like a four-sided frame, a table. You ever seen a table with three legs? They're cute and all that. Put something on it. Lean on the thing. See how you'll be like, ah, it's just for looks. It's just for looks. That's what you've been until. Ah, it's just for looks. And eventually, enough people fall over it, you get rid of it because it doesn't hold up good. It, four legs work better than three. And the Lord, love has four different things. And I'm just going to uh, share a couple of thoughts with you on this. Um, I want to get into this a little more about some other things, but I'm going to just, I just feel like this is the part to, to kind of to nail down before we leave today. Paul says it this way. He says, may you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. And then he says, now all glory to God, who's able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him and the church in Christ Jesus throughout all the generations forever and ever. Amen. He says, God is able to do more through us than we could ever ask or think. Why does he have to say that? 
Why does he say to us that you should be able to comprehend or understand God's love? May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. It's a bit of a hard thing to gather, right? Well, you should be able to understand this, but he says, but you're not going to be able to. And isn't that the beauty, though, of the Lord? That you would be in such awe, like Gary said earlier, that you would be so overwhelmed by the Lord that you knew he loved you, but yet you could never fully understand how great a father's love is for you. You know, i got a friend right now that he's texting me and asking us to pray for a family in his church. And they just got the news, a little two-year-old, two-year-old, has got tumors all up and down. And they thought it was going to be like a little something small, and then they get in there. And they're like, hey, Pastor Jody, will you all please pray? Now, we get requests for prayer all the time. People pray, you know. But I'll tell you something, it's something about children, isn't it? I mean, I pray that everybody would be healed and whole and helped. But when it's a child, and if you're a parent, you, it, it just makes it, you think, man, what if that was my child? Your children, and I used to wonder, until I had children, I did not understand what a father's love was. I did not understand how can people, when they say they love you, well, yeah, okay, I love you too. Until you have a child, you have no idea how deep that parent's love is for you. If you don't have a child, I'm telling you, your parents love you, even if they weren't perfect, even if they made mistakes. I'm telling you, I had a really jacked up you know, dad. I, God bless him. I think he's with the Lord. I'm pretty sure of that. That's what I had always prayed. It was very complicated, but I'll tell you one thing I knew. He didn't understand how. He didn't know how. It was all jacked up. When I tell you it was jacked up, it was jacked up beyond it could possibly be. But I do know that he loved me. Because after I minister to so many people, here's what I realized. Love doesn't mean you can love people and not understand even how to show it. Just because someone can't show or reveal love to you doesn't mean they don't care. Sometimes people do things for you out of love that you may never understand. What would cause a mother to give up her child for adoption and to a family? Maybe that mom knew that child would be better off in that another home than what she could provide. And yet the mom gets criticized, but the child turned out great. Shouldn't the mom be praised? Shouldn't she be celebrating and saying, look, you know what? Don't know what you were going through there in that time. No one knows what anybody's going through at any time, do they? No one ever knows what we're feeling. But love sometimes isn't always a yes and give you what you want. Sometimes it's a complicated thing. But the Lord, here in this love that he tells us to grow down strength in our roots deep into God's love, it comes down to this idea that we have in what we call theology. But as Christians, these three questions, and I'll put them on the screen, and, and then just to let you see these, and we're going to close up with these thoughts. If God really loves me, that's what people ask. If God really loves me, then, and here we go. These are the questions we ask. Especially people outside of the faith, they ask these a lot. But Christians ask the same ones. So let's look at these three questions as we wrap up today. How can then, Pastor Joe, are you saying he's a loving God? He loves you beyond what you can imagine. Well, if he's a loving God, how does he allow evil in the earth? I mean, you say he's a loving God. Why then does he allow evil in the earth? 
Why is it that these, you know, pick your bad guy. Why do they get away with what they get away with? How do they allow to hurt people like they do? Now, I could break that down and give you all kinds of theological answers. That's not going to suit you. Because ultimately, you've got to wrestle with this idea that, does God really love you? Because you can prove all kinds of things of why he allows evil in that world and, and, and try to convince yourself, see, he doesn't really love. No, he really does love. But can I ask you a question about children? If you have children, if you don't, this gets tough, but if you have children, there comes a point in time when, now, not when they're two, and not when they five, and not when they got car keys that you paid for. No. But when they get to be older, like my thought is, look, if, you are, if, they, if the country considers you old enough to vote or buy alcohol, in my opinion, you've entered adulthood. I mean, it's the way it used to be. Just saying. We got to kind of grow up a little bit. You know what I'm saying? But at some point, how long do you hold on? As a parent. I mean, they're, they're, they're you know, out of college, out of school. 28, 30, 32. When do you say, okay, I'm still your parent, but... I can no longer control what's going on here. you got to make your own decisions. And I, I'm here for you. I want to help you. I'll give you as much counsel as I can. I'll help you with anything. If you ask me, think about that. If you ask me, I'd be glad to. But if they never ask you, what can you do? At some point, do you not as a parent? Okay, Junior. Do you not? Of course you do. But with God, for some reason, we say, well, if he was a loving God, he would step in and fix everything. Do you step in and fix everything for your children? You shouldn't. At some point, they got to learn. I've told mine a hundred times. You don't need to be riding that bicycle that fast on a concrete drive without any kind of pants or something on. It's going to hurt eventually. Well, you know, I mean, at some point, you just go like, it's just, you know. She's going to get a skint knee, and then she's going to realize. And when she did, you'd have thought it was decapitated. Like, it was just like, or decapitated. Like, she lost it. It was just, that's Halloween for you there. <laughs> you know, she went berserk. You know, but a Band-Aid fixed it. God's no different. He can't make things happen. He could, but he's chosen to restrain, and he's chosen to give free will to people. That's what a family does. They they give free will. How can a loving God send people to hell? Well, God doesn't send anybody to hell. I could show you this through. I don't have time, but I could show you. God doesn't send anybody to hell. I told my middle child, the answer to your question is, what did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? It is not about what you have done right or wrong. It is, do you believe that he is the son of the living God, that he was raised from the dead, and that he is now sitting at the right hand of the Father, who he ever more intercedes for you. Do you believe that? Yes, Daddy, I believe that. Have you ever professed with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? Yes, Daddy, I have. I said, it seemed like to me, I remember you got baptized, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I did. And didn't you ask me to baptize? Yes, I did, because I was scared of Pastor Stephen. I said, okay, all right then. <laughs> well, if you ever watched Pastor Stephen dunk, it's like WWF, Christian, boom! If he doesn't feel like it's enough, boom, it's going twice for some of y'all, you know? Anyway, 
She said, yeah, I got baptized. I said, do you think, Pastor Stephen, or myself, do you think we would have let you been baptized if you did not believe in Jesus? Because he said, you're saved, and then you should be water baptized. It's not the other way around. We don't baptize people unless you sit in that water and we say to you, have you professed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you go, I don't think so, we're going to say, well, before we dunk you, you're getting saved right now. If you say, I don't want to, well, out of the tank you go. Because I'm not baptizing somebody unless they profess Jesus as Lord. That's just the rules. That's what Jesus said. That's what we do. She said, well, yeah, I remember that. I said, well, then aren't you, don't you? She said, it's not for me, Dad. I know I'm saved. I'm just talking about for other people. I thought, well, why are we having this conversation then? <laughs> God doesn't send anybody to hell. He's given everybody from Hitler to Stalin to the worst of the worst you can think of. The opportunity to turn. It is up to us to make that decision. And how can a loving God relate to us if he doesn't suffer with us? Jesus came and became a man so he would understand it just like you and I. And the cube, when you look at the love of God, we can answer all kinds of things about the Lord. But that fourth part is really huge. When he, when he says to you that you would know the love of Christ, the height, the depth, the breadth, the length. That fourth part is always Jesus. Always. This is the part that, see, we can rationalize all about God all you want. There's all kinds of theological arguments. There's been wars fought over God. Wars among Christians fought with it. You can fight anything you want to fight about God. And that's what I told my girls. They asked me about this uh, celebrity the other day. And I told them when I first heard about this sometime back, yeah, I said, well, give it time. Because to me, here's why. You, I said, be careful who you put your trust and your faith in. Just because they're a celebrity and they say they found Jesus, well, let's give it time. Let, let's see if two years from now we're still serving Jesus. And they tell me the other day, I'd forgotten about Dad. Did you hear about? I said, oh, yeah, yeah. They said, wow, you wasn't kidding. You know, just because they say they're a Christian don't mean they're a Christian. I mean, both these guys running for Senate says they're Christian. I don't know them. I mean, I watched one play football. I've seen one on TV. I don't mean I know them. A lot of people tell me a lot of stuff. I don't know them. The thing it comes down to is if Jesus is Lord, not I'm a Christian, not I go to church, and not I love God. That is, to me today, those are irrelevant statements. Anyone who says I'm a Christian, I go, uh uh-uh. That ain't enough. Because there's 20 other Christians out there that go all over the map with stuff that don't line up with God's word. Is Jesus Lord? What do you mean? If they say that to me, well, already we got a conversation, don't we? Is Jesus Lord? Well, I mean, I I go to church. Uh, Yeah, but I mean, I'm a Christian. Are you? Yeah, how do you know? Well, I mean, mean, my grandmama said... uh, is Jesus Lord? Somebody go, yes, he's Lord of my life. They can tell you right now they're not perfect. They don't have it all together. They make mistakes. We're not talking about that. I said, is he Lord? Yes, he's Lord. He's Lord. He's Lord of my life. That's the answer. And there's always on this quadrant, this little cube, if you will, this fourth part that's always there, and that's Jesus. And if you look at the, he's the fourth man in the fire. If you look at the gospels, there's four gospels. 
And if you look at John, John's the fourth disciple, by the way, that was picked. And John talks more about the love of God than the other disciple. The, the love of Christ is the part that connects this, this cube, if you will, together. It is, it is, it is the, the impossibility to understand the depth of his love for you, but yet you're supposed to try. And you're going to be left wanting always. And this is why John gives us this scripture in John 3.16 that you may or may not have heard of, but I'm not taking it for granted that you have, but I want to put it on the screen so you can see as we close out today. When people ask, uh, how do you know God loves you? For God so loved the world. That's pre-faith in Christ. John said it like this, even though we were yet in sins, he died for us. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. But God loves the world so much he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. If you ever want to know, does God love me, that's where you go back to right there. Because I've got three kids and I would never give one of them up for anybody. Never. Never. I don't care who they are. Never. I don't know of anybody that would. But the Lord willingly chose this method. And while I say this to you today, when we talk about it, I just felt like praying for you today that I, I just felt like that some of you might be here. And I'm not talking about salvation. Maybe some of you don't know the Lord. I don't know. But that you maybe aren't convinced that God loves you. The scriptures say this, that perfect love casts out fear. If we still have fear, we have not yet been perfected in love. That's in John, in the, you know, the epistles of John on, towards in your Bible. But why am I telling you that? Because with John, what he's writing, he's not saying, are you a perfect person? He didn't say, do you have all your stuff together? That's not what he means. It's perfect. He means, do you understand that God loves you so much that even when you were in sin, he died for you? And watch this. Even if you sin now, he still died for you. And even when you make mistakes again, he still died for you. Are you willing to understand how deep this love goes? That's what John is saying. So I want to pray for you this morning, if you don't mind closing your eyes and just bow your head for a moment. I just felt like maybe some of you are here this morning, and I'm not going to embarrass you or not going to call you down front, but I just want to acknowledge you. If no one's going to look right now, just for a minute, if you don't mind just closing your eyes, just give people some privacy just for a minute, please. I don't normally do this, but I just felt like I specifically... You're acknowledging with God, not to me, but, but I'm looking. No one else is right now, okay? This is between you and God. It's very private. Please give people privacy just for a minute. You say, Pastor Jody, I'm here, and by just slipping up your hand, put it right back down. I just don't know. And you might be saved, but I just don't know that God really loves me. I don't know. If that's you, just slip your hand up, put it right back down for me. I want to pray for you. Anybody where you say, I don't know. I'm just not sure he loves me, Jody. Gotcha. Okay. Good deal. Well, while we pray, I'm going to pray for you. And then while we, uh, I'm going to lead you in a prayer to salvation as well. If you're in here and you don't know Christ, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. <clears throat> and the whole church is going to pray uh, together right now. <clears throat> but I just want you to repeat this after me. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today and I give you my life. And I give you my heart. I ask you, Lord, to save me. And I make you the Lord of my life. 
And I thank you, Lord, that you love me and you gave yourself for me. And I receive your love for my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Man, if you pray that prayer, we're so proud of you. Right, church? Give me a hand, would you? So proud of you. What I want you to do is on the screen or in the seat back in front of you there, there's a little card there that just tells you how to communicate with our church. And I really encourage you, if you, if you need something in this area, just fill it out for us. Let us know so we can help you get started walking uh, with God. It's very important that you begin that process so you know this will help your roots go down deep in God's love. And so take the time to fill that out for us um, before you leave. You can drop it off the offering boxes or you can do it digitally, either one you want to do. And then I want to share something with you. Just take one minute, but your kids are like, you know, they're packing them up with candy. Don't worry. You're coming out both bags probably. You know, they're going to be like, this is insane. So uh, maybe you won't have to go Monday night, you know, save you some some, some craziness there. Um, so I want to share with something with you. Take one minute and then we'll uh, move on. Right, Gary's going to close out after that. But um, so... Uh, how many of you guys, I don't know how you're doing uh, now, but I know that this summer was pretty rough when fuel prices hit, whatever they were hitting. My kids saw in California, like, you know, eight bucks a gallon or whatever it was. They're like, Dad, whoa, that's crazy. I'm like, you don't pay for any gas. How do you know what's crazy? I filled the tank up yesterday, met her at the gas station. I filled her tank up then. And, um, and she said, you know, she did it. I'm sure, you know, she did, she fueled the car, but still. I looked at shutter. I said, now look at that tag up there. And this is, you know, cheap gas now compared to then. And she said, my goodness, I wouldn't have anything left if I had to fill the car up with gas. I was like, exactly right. You rolling girl. Like, you know, she thinks she is anyway, but I know it was pretty difficult in the summertime. And so I was gonna share with you some with our church. So now people ask us, well, how's the church doing? How's the church doing? I know, uh, you know, normally I don't get into these kind of things because uh, I could care less. I trust the Lord. Um, and uh, you guys are so faithful in your giving and everything else. But I will tell you this. We put back in the first of the year quite a bit. And not knowing that it was going to be like that. My goodness. But it was, a, it was a doozy of a summer, don't you think? I mean, man. And so they're saying all indications show that things are coming down in prices. We know by looking at a few things, some things are changing. But so we, we had that savings. We spent down through the summer. We hadn't said anything. And so what I want to let you know, first of all, um, so it just so you can see, the giving, like our income for a church is off by almost 20%. So that's, that's a chunk. If you want to put that in, in numerical standpoint, let's say, let's say, you know, you had a half a million come in. Uh, let's say you had a hundred grand come in. All right, 20%. Go and figure it up, right? That's a lot of money in it. So we have things we pay, we fix and do things like that. Staff, ministries, all that stuff we do uh, all over the place. And so all I'm saying to you guys is this, thank you for this month because we are almost... By this Sunday, I think be the first Sunday since May, we will, I believe, we'll meet our budget. I think your guys are going to knock it out this week and for the month. You say, well, how'd you do it through the summer? We put back. We still have some put back, but we're, you know, we spent through it. But, you know, in those times when it's tough, we don't go, hey, we need y'all to do more. Because why? Everybody knows how it's tough, right? So uh, Gary will tell you how you can give and those kind of things. But I just want to encourage you in October here, let's, let's, let's do well this Sunday. And help us put it over for the month. Um, and then I think going in, going forward, I think we're, we're going to be good. And uh, as far as those kind of things are concerned, I just want to let you guys know people ask me. So, But I'm not a moochie preacher. Like, you ain't going to see me like, whatever. I ain't, I ain't doing that pull the lever thing. 
and uh, God's going to give you. I ain't doing all that mess. Listen, we either believe or we don't believe, right? Can I get an amen? We either trust the Lord or we don't. But people have asked me, so I want to let you know, churches, we are good, but we have spent through a lot of savings to get through this tight spot. And so I'm just asking you to kick it in October. Let's end this month awesome. So November and December uh, in a, on a good note and meet budget for the year, right? Can we do it, church? Huh? Yeah? Amen, amen. All right. Well, Gary's going to tell you how to do it. I really appreciate you guys. Thank you guys so much. Amen, amen. Thank you. Man, that is great parenting advice. I love that because I heard that a lot when we were parents. Man, I hate you. It's a whole different set of rules when you're a grandparent. Let me tell you, it's totally different. So um, if you're a grandparent, you know what we mean. Uh, just, yeah, I want to remind you, there's a lot of different ways we can give. We don't pass, pass an offering plate around here. Uh, if you're new here, you may recognize that like everybody else does. There's some offering boxes on the back of the wall there. You can put something in an envelope and drop that off on your way out if you do. Um, more and more people are giving online, so you can do that. You can text or you can go on the website and give as well. Or you can set up a recurring thing if you forget sometimes um, to tithe when you get paid. You can do that so it automatically comes out. So we just remind you of doing that as well. And as Pastor said, we just thank you for being generous. Um, but and please continue to do that. Uh, prayer partners are going to come up front now, man. If, that, if it, you were one of those ones this morning, it's the very first time you've ever prayed that prayer and accepted the Lord as your Savior, come up and tell one of these folks up here. They'd love to pray with you. Um, that's your cue, Carolyn, to come up. Um, and anybody else, another prayer partner, come on up. And if, isn't, if there's anything else that you have, um, just want somebody to agree with in prayer, um, come on up. These folks uh, don't bite. Um, but they're, they will pray and agree with you in prayer. Um, next week is the men's event. Uh, so sign up. If you guys haven't done that um, online, get loosened up for cornhole, okay? Get your form ready. Um, You've got plenty of wings. But if you would sign up ahead of time, you can, you can at the day. But that way it, it lets us know how much food to buy. So go online. I think it's 10 bucks, which is pretty cheap. All the wings you can eat. Uh, watch football and, and play cornhole. Um, also, online, you can sign up uh, to decorate for Christmas. is coming up in November, if you realize that. Christmas is only a couple months away. Um, so we're going to decorate the church. I think it's about the third uh, week of right before Thanksgiving. So sign up for that as well. So, um, As always, we'll send you out with the Lord's blessing out of numbers. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. God bless you. Have a great week. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If so, feel free to pay it forward and share this podcast with someone else. Thanks for listening.